0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's show is sponsored by Bob's Red Mill. With natural foods, they support organic, vegan, paleo, and gluten-free lifestyles. Learn more about their commitment to good food for all at bobsredmill.com slash podcast.
2: You're listening to Heritage Radio Network.
3: Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Hey, it's uh, April 25th, 2017. This is our April Sour Show. We've got some good buddies here. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's number 43 in the Good Beer Seal. Let's go around the room. Everybody introduce yourselves.
4: Hey, this is Stephen Valen from Brooklyn Brew Shop.
3: Hey,
5: I'm Brian Strumke from Stillwater.
6: Hi, it's Erica Schaaf, also from Brooklyn Brew
3: Shop.
7: And I'm Daniel from Jolly Pumpkin Artisanal Ales. And Ian
8: Kyle, also from Jolly Pumpkin.
3: You can tell these guys aren't from New York. All right, welcome to the <laughs> show, guys. April Sours. we're talk about sours. we're talk about some uh, home homebrew inspirations. And uh, let's just cut to the chase right now. Stephen and, and Brian, you guys, um, Brian's got his great beer that, that goes at Gone Wild from Stillwater. And uh, Stephen and Erica, you guys made a, a, a Brooklyn Brew Shop beer kit. Let's talk about how, the, how that idea came about. Yeah.
4: pick us off
3: talking about sours,
4: too. Yeah, so we've done a few collaborations, and we've always really liked uh, Stillwater's and Brian's beers. And we were actually Mm. at his uh, bar uh, of love and regret in Baltimore, and we started tweeting at him. And and it just kind of cascaded from there. And by the end of our dinner, um, before the check came, I think we had a collaboration in the works. Even though what,
5: the president does Twitter, right? Yeah, Mike? if it's good enough for, for the president of the United States, then it's good enough for us. So you guys just made
3: the whole deal over Twitter?
6: And I'd say that this, the result of this kit is far better than most of uh, the president's tweets.
3: <laughs> yeah, but this, so let's talk about the beer. So this is the Have Gone Wild. It's April Sours Monster. Everybody cheers. Uh, cheers! Cheers! of some cheers. jolly pumpkin cheers. beers. Yeah. And so Brian, how did you Across come up with this recipe in
7: the
5: yet. first place? <clears throat> Have Gone Wild. Um, this was part of uh, the beer started. I was doing this uh, series of um, <clears throat> a series of beer projects called the Remix series. Where I would like uh, just swap recipes with another brewer, and um, we'd give our own twist to the to the beer, and then also even like the 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 design, like the artist would kind of like make their own riff, and just a you know just a fun way to collaborate. Um, <clears throat> so this came about when uh, Westbrook and I did traded recipes, and I t- I just took their basic goza recipe and just blew it up with a lot of dry hops, citra, and amarillo, and then fermented it with uh, a blend of Cezanne yeast and Britannomyces.
3: What do you guys, th- from Jolly Punk, what do you think of this still water beer? So it's
7: fantastic. Delicious.
3: Yeah. I yeah, like no, to it's, drink it. It's, it's definitely, it's, 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 a, it's punchful, man. It's, it's a, a this, oh, the,
5: this is a different version now. I, I do like a, so the, the name Goes Gone Wild is obviously a play on Girls Gone Wild. You know, the, the video series. <laughs> Can't believe I'm drinking
7: yeah, this now.
5: No. <laughs> so, um, so basically this, the, the, um, to, to kind of make a branch off of um, the series, I, I made uh, the Ghost Going Wild world tour. So I'm kind of picking like party beaches around the world to do inspiration. So this is the Phuket version. And it has uh, lemon When's the Daytona
7: Beach one coming.
5: Exactly.
7: <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it's going to have yeah. some smoked malt and
5: some suntan lotion. I'd yeah. like <laughs> to see the Fire Lay's Island
7: chips. version as well. Yeah. <laughs> the Fire Island would, would be good as well.
5: Yeah, uh, yeah there's a Tijuana <laughs> version too, and that's that's uh, that's kind of, it's like a blackberry hibiscus margarita goza.
3: Do people really like sours then? I mean, because you're making this fun. You put in all these different flavors. But what do you guys think of, you know, just sours in general. You guys at Jolly Pumpkin, you've always had kind of like open fermented wild yeast stuff. Tell us a little bit about your take on some beers like this.
8: Yeah, so what we do is uh, everything we uh, open ferment uh, through primary fermentation and, you know, open top steel vessels. Uh, After we kind of get down to our gravity, we transfer into oak and just kind of allow the naturally occurring wild yeast and bacteria culture that exists in our wood. has developed over, I think we're going on 13 years now, to just kind of run wild with it.
3: Um, You're you're running wild, too.
8: Yeah, Yeah, so we, uh, (laughs) you know, Ron really plays the... uh, let's see what happens sort of thing. You know, he likes the magic that goes on. Uh, we, don't, we don't do any sort of, you know, inoculation of what's going on. It's all just Dexter-born um, culture that kind of comes through. So uh, it's great with, you know, beers like the Gozes that are really, you know, taking off and opening up to, uh, you know, a new branch of people that are kind of coming around. And, you know, four years ago, even, you know, sour beers was something that, you know, beer nerds were into, you only. know, um, and it's definitely brought it out to, you know, a very wide market now, and it's, you know, it's great. We've done, uh, we got, we we're on our third collaboration with Brian now. We uh, did one that came out back in November of 2015, Pinch of Discos. Yeah. Uh, all my, my best friends yeah, all are my best are friends are friends. Let's <laughs> be real here. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> It's not just that that was
3: fantastic, really great beer. That's cool. So you guys have collaborated before,
8: yeah, yeah. Right, what you were out February, I think, or beginning of March.
3: I
5: think it was in February. February.
3: Yeah.
8: Yeah, yeah. So uh, and it was an IPA and uh, Mai Tai inspired beer, if I remember correctly. So those are churning away. uh, They're living in the wood right now, and they're hanging out. Yeah. They'll be
7: Brian, let's go back ready.
3: to the beginning. So when I first met you, you were making Saison's, you've made Sours. Tell us a little about your, your beer-making philosophy. I, mean, I know you've traveled and collaborated, but I never really asked you about what, what your philosophy of making beer is.
5: Uh, it's, it's kind of like a post-modernism take. I think um, I think if I have an M.O. of anything, it's it's um, fusing modern uh, modern techniques and modern trends and styles with traditional... Um, concepts.
8: And that's, you know, kind of the same thing that we like to do at Jolly Pumpkin is, you know, there's, we like to rock the very traditional, you know, techniques as well with, you know, the modern twist on, uh, you know, uh, kind of upsetting the, um, that's how to say the the order, you know, that was established (laughs) before and, you know, drawing inspiration not just from other beers, but from everything else that is enjoyed, you know, be it food or experience or time you know, around.
5: Yeah, Jolly Pumpkin was actually one of my biggest influences uh, as a home brewer and such. And I would I'd say definitely that I took this very similar approach as Ron did. It's more of an artistic, um, um, make good shit approach. Yeah. Exa- it. Exactly. It's uh, not worry about categories or anything. It's just, you know, worry about flavor profiles and aromas
3: and erica and steven so you know what, what was it like working with brian on on this little project you did and let's taste yours next to it so we tasted Stillwater water goes on wild food kit and uh let homebrew erica come on Tell, you know you're working with brian you guys are working with different breweries making recipes for your brew, beer kits
6: yeah it's been so much fun to do the collaborations and really when we started off um we came out with a all grain one gallon kit to get people brewing and not realize that extract existed. And now we kind of want to do the same thing with sours. And it's just like you brewed it; it's delicious. Sour beers are normal. They're delicious and they're healthier for you, I think.
2: Healthy? <laughs> yeah. It's all that good
6: gut bacteria. It's like having and, yogurt. And
3: you guys are doing. You have spent grain recipes. You're doing food kits.
2: You yeah, know, t-
6: pretty much. Um, it, I would like to spend every day in the kitchen oh, experimenting awesome. with different things and then teaching other people how to do it. It's my favorite part.
3: And then, uh, so Stephen, tell Damn. us about it's the.
4: really, it's really good.
3: It's the recipe really good. <laughs> is this exactly? Did Brian give you his recipe, or did you guys just like modify? It That's or? really
4: nice. Yeah, we had the recipe from like the brew system, that you know the same same stuff that the they look at the brewery basically, and we scaled it down and uh, try to make it work for a kitchen, kitchen stove.
5: Did you, did you add the dregs from, from a real bottle?
4: We did on this one. No, this is all, um, this is, uh, pretty much just lactobacillus. Um, so kettle, kettle souring at home, same way you would at a brewery. You're like giving them a
7: yeast packet for the.
4: Yeah. So they have, um, so yeah, the kit comes with yeast and then it also comes with a, a capsule of lactobacillus that you just chop open and, um, you know, just like just like you're making yogurt at home. Yeah. That's so cool.
6: And you let it sit for three days to actually, like, really get funky, leave oh, it sure. covered, and then do the boil. So it's it's full kettle souring, but at home.
8: And that's um, great because, like, you know, a lot of people, you know, I I got into, you know, my first show and brew actually was with a brick and brew, uh, brew shop kid. And it's a great way, nice. you know, just to have, um, you know, people at home are able to kind of See what's going on or it makes sense for it they they see the sour and you know figure out how it's kind of done as opposed to it being you know this crazy elusive magical beer that yeah. uh and you know, also cool. seeing how quickly things can go wrong.
7: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even yeah, for that fourth or fifth day or sixth day, you know, you can see. like yeah, I mean,
4: we did, we did a lot of tests, and most of the tests were just figuring out how long it should that's, kettle sour. Yeah. And so we had some batches that were super, super sour. We had other batches where you're getting, like, more creamed corn, and you have to, you know, know that you have to boil a little a little bit harder sure. next time. And being able to share that with people on the smaller scale so that they can go into a brewery. And, like, you know, you can go into, like, some, like, small, you know, brew pub that's trying their best. And yeah. they give you their sour, and you're like... you you don't you know what you like, and if there's something weird about it that you don't like it's you're not automatically wrong yeah but, you're, but you' you can be more informed either it's, yeah exactly it's just, it's just mm-hmm. what someone made, and so we just think that the more informed of a brewer you are, the more informed of a drinker you are that's great that's so cool
3: prime would you would you make a beer from one of their kits for fun have Have uh, you ever done it oh we're gonna actually think, we're gonna yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do one in my cool. kitchen for the uh
5: um, for a video, instructional video.
7: You guys' yeah. instructional videos are remarkable. They're very clean. <laughs> and thank, very you, thank you. Very <laughs> like yeah. cut. It does teach. It teaches you exactly how to do it in two and a half minutes or whatever it is. It's <laughs> fantastic. Cheers.
4: Yeah, and Brian alluded to pouring the dregs into your beer, which um, it's something we didn't do on this one, but uh, the actual Ghost Gone Wild does have a little bit of brett in there, and we've been playing with the idea of actually just taking a half a bottle and basically just adding it to your fermenter, which is... Pretty fun too. You
3: know, since we're talking about your kits, I, I don't usually look at websites anymore. But I went to your website and I checked. You have these great spent grain recipes, you know, and you have food kits now too. Tell us more about you know how you guys have developed as a brand.
6: Yeah, the spent grain recipes um, we were doing really from the start, and it's because if you're a brewery, you're shipping your spent grain off to a farm. Pigs love it, chickens love it, but if you're living in an apartment in Brooklyn, you don't really have chickens, so. I felt bad throwing it away. Started drying it out, trying it in different recipes. Um, we do spent grain banana bread, spent grain pizza. Have done like cookies and everything else, and it's just meat. like an extra ingredient. Meat
5: what Sp- uh, spent grain weed snacks? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> so I said, Brian, talking to the mic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can see you doing that. We had the, the, the. I'll say some of the recipes I'll look good. Were the spent grain fried chicken.
6: Yeah, yeah, oh, it was like shake and bake, but oh, using no, spent grain. grain. Yeah, that's and you made you
3: made uh spent grain grain crackers.
6: Yeah, pretty much um, anything that has flour in it, you can sub in a portion of spent grain. Really? Yeah,
4: yeah we have like more than three hundred really good recipes for cooking with spent ah, grain on our that's site. Amazing. Uh, we should probably tell people more about them, but I I would go as far as saying it might be the best. Source for spent grain recipes on the <laughs> internet, so That's you should right. check it out at <laughs> brokenpeashop. website today. No, and it's
6: really funny because we just actually launched a brand new website, which is why it looks so pretty. Um, and it took a couple days to get the spent grain recipes up, and that was what on Twitter and Facebook they were like, "Where's the banana bread?" Where's yeah, it was kind of a second priority. <laughs> like, the first
4: priority was like making sure people could buy stuff, but <laughs> sure. on Twitter we were just like we were just getting these like these comments like every few minutes like i'm I'm making this for like this party i'm having like i need to know how to make uh like beer chicken and waffles (laughs) uh,
5: using spent making
4: with spent grain waffles and uh (laughs) like the spent grain chicken That,
5: that means there's a book deal
4: yeah, yeah. where's this? <laughs> the next one.
6: I still don't know if enough people know about Spent Grain for a book, but. Uh,
7: oh, you got it. And then you got de- it in. <laughs>
6: you just got to write it. There's books, they write for books everything. about
8: it. At least the e book. You know.
7: And tell us about your
3: other books, because I, I liked your last one. You actually traveled the world with recipes. <laughs>
6: Yeah, so we, we wrote two two different books. Um, the first one is Brooklyn Brew Shop's uh, beer-making book, which is 52 Recipes. And the second one is called Make Some Beer. And we went around uh, to a bunch of breweries in North America and Europe um, and... I mean, we're always inspired by what's on the menu, cocktails, like different beers we've had, and got to sit down with these different brewers and see what they were doing and get inspired by them. And so there's recipes from us, recipes from them, and then collaborations, which is really fun.
3: Danny, you guys just popped another beer, so now we're tasting some Jolly Pumpkins. Yes, yes,
7: we're having some BAM beer. Which uh, it's one of our favorite beers we have. There's some please drink BAM beer. Uh, <laughs> which is fantastic, named after uh, Ron Jeffries, our owner and founder's dog. Um, a really just beautiful 4.5% uh, open fermented Saison, like Ian was talking earlier, that's aged in oak barrels. Um, the two really cool things about this beer to me, as a guy who drank it for a long time before I sold it, um, is the grain profile. It's super intricate. There's, like, six different specialty grains in here past just Pilsner and Pale. Like, there's even Black Patent malt in here, and you can't look, you know... By looking at it, you wouldn't be like, what, there's Black Patent? But, you know, kind of emulating that idea of old maltzers where it would be floor malted and it would be the bottom stuff was dark and the top stuff was light because that's just the way it worked. Um, so all those things in there. And then also dry
8: hopped, which is really interesting to me. Uh, yeah, when we started... When Ron started this... this uh, you know, we first brewed this beer back in 2004, you know, dry hopping, American, you know, sour farmhouse and wild, wild ales <laughs>
3: wasn't,
8: wasn't much of a thing yet. I don't know if there yet, was farmhouse so. ales at that you know, point, really, was, uh, you know, it, in America at least. And, you know, we don't, you know, put it out there a whole lot with it, but it's just kind of something that was, you know, the old techniques, you know, melding with the new and mm-hmm. doing something different with it, so... Beautiful. Well, toast
3: to that, we're going to take a short break. Yeah, cheers. Cheers. Back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions. All right. Woo!
1: Bob's Red Mill has been milling whole grains since 1978. One of the nice things about Bob's Red Mill is it's the only that I know of national supplier that's easily available for lots of interesting, hard-to-get grains, and other seed products. So, you know, before Bob's Red Mill became widely available, you couldn't go get something like quinoa very easily, or you couldn't go get spelt easily in small quantities. But now you go to any one of the huge number of stores that carry Bob's Red Mill, and you can get smaller amounts of these really interesting, fun things to play with. Learn more at bobsredmill.com podcast.
3: Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a wild show. We're talking about spent grain, pot cookies, and so how, oh, this is the sour beer show, by the way. Yeah, But well, we got all our good buddies here. And uh, Sour beer likes to party. That's right. <laughs> so we're tasting what? The Jolly Pumpkin, what? Bam beer?
7: Yeah, we're having some Bam beer here. I'll have some more of that if you don't want. Yeah, you it's, it's right over there. It's, it's and right uh, let's talk some.
3: about style. So, so um, a delightful treat. Huh? You know, for me, Jolly Pumpkin is a special brewery, yet yeah, like you were saying, Way back, not too long ago, they were like the only kind of open, and like When you think about like the, the, the scope farmhouse. of
7: humanity, yeah, it's not that long ago. But when you think about a lot of craft beer, you know, this is back in 2004 when Ron was doing this stuff. It was revolutionary at the time. And you know, that's definitely what like led me to work for the brewery was you know working for bars in Chicago and Milwaukee and stuff like that. We would pour this and it'd be like, "What is this odd? What is this odd elixir?" You know, <laughs> and then to have it now be just part of the you know the scope of beer in general. It's 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 a, it's yeah. a remarkable thing.
3: Now Brian, when did you first get turned on Jolly Pump? <clears throat> let's talk about when we first met. I remember like 2009, you had your first beers were like saisons. Yeah, and let's let's go back a little bit. Um. I guess with uh, with Jolly Pumpkin, it was probably shortly after
5: they came onto the scene, as soon as Shelton Brothers started Mm -hmm. distributing their beers. Because I know like at the very beginning, I had some of the first batches of Jolly Pumpkin, and they weren't sour and they weren't funky.
7: Yeah, they were just Um, Belgian-style beers. Exactly.
5: And then all of a sudden, sudden they they shifted, and they were amazing. And it was really. Um, it was especially an eye opener for American brewing because uh, it was one of the more authentic Belgian style beers, but at the same time, it wasn't. It wasn't authentic at all, and it wasn't really Belgian. It was American, and it was wild. And it was kind of like the one of you know, Ron is the the godfather of American wild ales.
7: Yeah, <laughs> I always feel bad saying that since I work for him. That <laughs> it's almost like sycophantic, but it's also true. Like just as a beer guy first like it's a remarkable thing to kind of see a lot of that influence kind of spread out and like you know buying your beers too you know like in that same time like the, you were pushing that same boundary and it was you can definitely see the people that ron collaborates with are people that have also done that kind of next wave sort of thing it's really important
3: Brian what, what has it been like for you collaborating with jolly pumpkin uh, it's been it's been it's been great uh, Ron and I
5: have you know, developed a really you know really tight friendship over the past few years do and you have something
3: uh, and uh, <clears throat> what did you bring you guys you telling secrets come on we have something we have, we have. you have a surprise we keep oh. talking Brian oh, right. <laughs> um, it's
7: nothing good it's nothing that uh, interesting I promise <laughs>
3: It's not a weed snack.
7: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we, we flew in. So.
8: <laughs>
7: Let me tell you about what Ian found in Washington Square Park or whatever it was. Hey, what'd you get? You got to treat something.
9: <laughs> Welcome uh, to New York, boys. <laughs>
5: <laughs>
7: uh, it's been it's
5: uh, been really interesting, and it's because because Ron's been so, such an influence on me. It's it's kind of challenging to to collaborate because it's it's almost we do have a, a similar view when it comes to brewing so in order to to kind of it, to, so it's hard to kind of find it you know the things that really distinguish us
9: Ourselves,
3: yeah. Jim Barnes, you're the Shelton Brothers rep.
9: Uh, oh yes, thank yeah. you.
3: <laughs> Give us your take <laughs> on Jolly you. Pumpkin. Um, you also have them in town. You've done some events.
9: Yeah, yeah, they're um, they're one of these brewers that that somehow only Dan Shelton could find in the middle of Michigan, and it, he just that's what he does. That's what he's has been doing, and that's what's helped shape. Shelton Brothers and their whole portfolio, taking chances and saying, "This is wild beer. We 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 need to see more of this." And so, uh, Jolly Pumpkin is certainly one of those uh, beers that Dan so- sought out, and it's been an institution. I know as long as I've worked for Shelton Brothers. Van uh, beer, Calabaza yeah, Blanca. yeah, exactly, exactly.
8: Calabaza. Yeah. I mean, the best part of hearing about you know the really the foundation and what got Jolly Pumpkin going was. Uh, prior to uh, Ron, you know, starting Jolly Pumpkin. He was working at another brew pub in the area that uh, we were at. And Dan came by with uh, one bottle of Cantillon. And, you know, I was talking it up, and, you know, we have this very special beer. It's out of Belgium. You know, it's this sour wild ale. And, you know, Ron likes to go, all right, let's try it. And Dan's like, no, 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 I have one bottle. This is what I got. Like, you know, (laughs) just presenting it for you guys. And uh, that mystique that came with it, you know, led to, you know, Ron kind of seeking it out. And uh, the relationship with that, with with Ron and Shelton especially, started prior before we were even, Jolly Pumpkin was even around. Um, So that when Jolly Pumpkin, you know, when we were in, Shelton Brothers was the only choice and really, you know, no, we I We owe a lot to Shelton as well for our for our
3: existence and where we we're at. So. Let's talk about some other some <laughs> talking about sours some some sour styles that you really liked that inspire you, Brian. The first sours that you were making, um, Stephen, and any sours that you've you've written about in your books.
4: Yeah, man, I can tell you about the first sour we had, which was actually at Cantillon. Um, but, so like before <laughs> <What's> that, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Cant- you might have Cant- heard Canty of John? them, um, but <laughs> before like before Eric and I like started this company. We went on a backpacking trip to make sure that we still liked each other at the end of the eight weeks uh, and this was when we were brewing you know as we would think as you can call regular beers uh, but we went to Cantillon and we really just had no idea and you, you know, like you basically you do the tour and you get the pamphlet that's in like three languages uh then they give you the beer at the end and you're like this is the coolest place in the world then they give you the beer and we're like looking and we drink it and we look at each other and this is honestly the first sour beer we've ever had and we're like I think I think something's wrong. And what was this? Uh, this was in like two thousand seven. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, awesome! I, yeah. I have a story
3: about that in two thousand six, from Shelton Brothers. Also at, at Jimmy's Number Forty Three, we had a keg of Cantillon Goose, and back then, the same thing. We had it on It didn't move. It took three weeks to move that keg. Two years ago, the last time we had a, a keg of Cantillon Goose, it moved in three hours. Yeah. yeah. So you know something's happened in the last you know ten twelve years. Um, I don't know if anyone wants to talk about that. We
10: want the funk.
3: Yeah, that's a great one. And then, come on, this is Brian's Brian's associate girlfriend here. What's your name? Come on.
10: I'm Bryn. Uh, same thing's happening in the wine world, though. People embracing um, mm-hmm. particularly Britannomyces and, and weird, funky flavors and things that smell like feet.
6: Yeah, and I, that's
10: natural
1: what I asked for. Natural fermentation is huge.
10: People yeah. are into it. It's not a bad yeah. thing.
3: It's part of his natural fermentation, Danny.
7: <laughs> yeah, I think so, right? I mean, a lot of those natural wines, yeah, it's just it's... like letting it be. And it's yeah, kind
10: of, un- uninterfered and and sometimes... For the worse, and sometimes for the yeah. best. Yeah, it doesn't
7: mean it's going to be good. It's just
5: going to be yeah. something. It's, it's going to be honest. Not honest. Honest. That reminds me. There's like in Best Pizza. There's all these um, paper plates that have little crayon or marker sketches, yeah. and one of them is a can, uh, picture of a can of Four loco. <laughs> and it says, "It does a lot of things, but it does, but it doesn't lie." <laughs> so this
3: is, Brian's bringing in uppers and downers I love yeah. this And Erica, they, they anything else about no sour beers? I no,
6: I, I mean I love sour beers And it's been actually Really fun to turn people onto it Because, um, I mean I didn't actually like beer until I started Making it, and then fell in love really? With beer in all different styles But um, for people who don't Think they like beer, often I'll give them A sour, and they don't they're like I didn't yeah. know beer could be like this. I That's so.
5: it's acidity is is such a huge part of the human palate. That, yeah, you know, it's like as growing up. I mean, we love fruits and you know candies. So we put acid in you know, all kinds of cooking. You know, but in order to you know to draw us in and to satiate our appetites.
7: Yeah,
3: yeah. And, and Stephen, you, you travel a lot, and it's amazing. So you said you were just in Scandinavia. Tell us an observation you had about yeah, bottle we, shops and sour beers.
4: Yeah, we were just in. Uh, we just did a trip to Stockholm and Copenhagen, and what we found in in Stockholm is is basically in Sweden you can't sell beer over three point eight percent in any store other than the System Systembolaget, which so is the state run liquor store. Yeah, or <laughs> New Hampshire even, and um, so it's pretty you know huge. Um, it's a thing to overcome if you can't make beer that's over, you know, basically 3.8%. So all these bottle shops are now popping up in Stockholm, like, just like four in the past seven months uh, all really proud of the fact that they can only serve uh, three and a half, typically, is what they mostly do. So you have, like, falken friends, you have Folk uh, Uls Boutiquen, so Folk is means basically a session beer. It's a low alcohol beer. Yeah, we just and, yeah. made
5: a version of our um, tropic, uh, tropic Tropic Punch Ale that mm. that um, I do with Dugas in Sweden called Tropic Folk, and they, they yeah, were like, folk. "Yeah, we want to call it, we want to do a version called Tropic Folk." I'm like, the hell, "Yeah, exactly." The you hell go, you go. There's like I a store like,
4: <laughs> called Reds, You're like, "Why? I don't understand this. Like, folk is this folk music? Do they really like it in Stockholm?" Yeah. <laughs> But then you go into these stores, and there's they have a really good selection. But and I accidentally, before I kind of fully realized this, I, I walked away with like a ton of beer, and I got home, and I was like, they're all three point five percent. What the heck? Um, and they're all basically their shelves are just full of sours and like some session beers, but mostly sours. And you're getting some really weird stuff with like alternate berries. Kind of the same food culture that's taken over scandinavia with like foraging has taken over the beer scene there so we got something sure. with something that i think loosely translates to pigweed yeah. Uh, and, Why not? Yeah, we got another another beer um, by. There you
3: go, Brian. Mm-hmm. Spent grain and, and pigweed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we
4: got another beer by Bracaria. That's made, that's a with uh, sourdough. So let's go back and to the actually, the basic good. sours some for of, drinking.
3: Like, beers? Let's let, let's go back to some of the basic sour beers like Berliner Weiss, the simple sours like from Peekskill You know, the original gozers from Germany. You know, they're all very low alcohol. Talking about that, and they seem to be refreshing. Does anyone want to take a stab at the origins of of these styles of beers? The the lighter, easier it, drinking, one I mean,
7: of we're, we're all chomping at the bit, like what, history, uh, <laughs> history, history. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
3: I mean,
5: I think it's it's it was just where things came from. I mean, beer was originally low alcohol, and most beer was sour. Yeah, there wasn't uh, really a
8: choice on it. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's actually something I think that you know we got away from. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's a return to, you know the norm or you know what was yeah. so B- I mean,
5: beer as we know it now it's modern modern beer mm-hmm.
8: oh. <laughs> it's just, you know like- you can call it
5: as traditional as you want and it's only traditional back to a certain date yeah. one,
4: one thing that was kind of counterintuitive is when we started making goses we were looking at like <clears throat> the leipzig gosa which and, yeah. and and we the one? yeah exactly yeah. and we were thinking like okay you have to you know you have to do like various like, souring methods and, um, you know, making ghosts like a traditional way. And then we learned that Leipzig actually had the world's first lactic acid factory making commercial lactic oh, cool. acid. Yes. And so, so it was know, actually the amazing. very first, like, they engineered. were, they were, yeah, it was yeah. an engineered beer for more so than a so hundred years. So we were, we were trying to do all of this stuff to like create this, like natural beer to recreate tradition that we then learned was a very modern beer for <laughs> time.
9: Just pick it up at your local supermarket. Yeah. <laughs> we got
3: a little history in there. We're going to take another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
2: Hey, hey, hey. Howdy,
3: everybody. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Check us out, heritageradionetwork.org. You can become a member. There's a lot of member benefits. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, uh, one of our hosts, Kathy Urray, was hosted at the Threes Brewing Pop-Up in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. So a lot of cool things are happening. I know uh, Brooklyn Brew Shop is a member, and um, you know, thanks for doing that, guys. But if you mind saying, you guys joined as a member last year. Um, was that good for you, for your business? Was that something you were interested in?
4: Yeah, we joined because uh, every time we listen, we learn a ton. And we know that there's a lot of people out there that really get a lot of value out of listening to this show. And, and like Kathy Irway, we, we we're friends with her. We love her. Um, and, you know, yeah, have ferment about it. There's a lot of great stuff on this station.
3: And I, I really respect what you guys have done, too. So, like, talking about your spent grain recipes. And your food. Tell us a couple of the, of the food kits besides beer kits that you make.
6: Yeah, so we um like we a launched cinnamon
3: raisin bagel.
6: We did. We uh, came out with a new line called Farm Steady, and they're DIY food kits, uh, urban gardening concepts, and it's really to just connect people to their food the same way that we're connected. If to If I our make beer the bagel kit it,
3: though, how do I get the hole in the bagel?
6: Oh, you wrap it around your hand. <laughs> so it's it's really fun. Um You. They're kits, but you still do it from scratch, and so you're letting the dough rise. You're forming it. You're boiling it with um, some malt syrup to get that actual crusty chewiness. Uh, it's the only time we ever use malt syrup is in bagel making <laughs> and pretzels, and then you bake it. And so we do a cinnamon swirled bagel and an everything bagel kit, um, also soft pretzel and and, then and you, beer you, cheese. Yeah,
4: you cult, then with the pre- with the bagels, you actually culture your own cream cheese. Yeah, um,
6: overnight, Dude.
4: and that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really uh, does that tasty. make it
6: less fattening? Uh, it make
4: it uh, you better? actually, That's when you when you are when you are, yeah. Yeah. when you are making it home because <laughs> of like the nature of making something handmade, yeah. you can actually use whole milk rather than half cream and half milk, which would be like an, another way you could do it. So you actually can make a lighter cream cheese that will be just as fluffy as and probably tangy. fluffier than the brick. And, so and, and like cream actually, cheese is it, so it delicious
6: is. that you don't really think like oh, cream cheese could be better. <laughs> Fresh like homemade cream cheese, fresh cultured cream cheese is so much better, and it's so easy. And after making beer for so many years, and like you gotta wait four weeks minimum of two uh, if you're forced carbonating something, and to make fresh cheeses where you get to eat it the same day. You're like, oh, I want
3: to make massive satisfaction. I want to (laughs) ask Ian. So you said you've. Tell us about the beer kits because you said that, that was the first batch of beer you made was from the Brooklyn brew shop. Beer yeah, beer.
8: like uh, my home brewing career is not very long or. I didn't plant that. Him, he right? actually, <laughs> but so the
3: first thing he said when he came around earlier was that's that was the first time I made. A
8: beer yeah, but like the great thing I think about the, cut, the kits is it really takes like the intimidation factor out of it. You know, it's it makes it, it opens up. You know, for people, and that was what made it. You know, um, for me, you know, going into it, it was like, hey, this is something. You know, even with a limited amount of knowledge, you know, with a, you know, a lot of interest in the beer, but going into it, you know, it can seem like, you know, you're jumping into the deep end. And I think the kits really do a good job, you know, and really uh, allowing you to create a quality, you know, finished product from it in a very simple, easy to understand. You don't have to be a scientist or a chemist. And,
3: you know, I think it's great. And then let's switch. Let's go back to sour beer styles. So we're talking about balloon devices. Is- and goes as you know what, what are some are all sour beers easy to make are they harder to make he wants to weigh in on that ryan i
5: think, it, I think it's just uh, it's just different it's just an, another technique um uh there's various ways to go, go about it uh, i think one of the popular ways now for sours quick sours um or it's a, a kettle souring technique or it's like a, a pre fermentation of the wort with lactobacillus, um, which is a, a bacteria, same as that's in yogurt and cheese.
6: And sauerkraut.
5: And kraut. Yeah. Sauerkraut. <laughs> I mean, and technically, I mean, some the, uh, the, we're doing, I'm doing sour beer at Two Roads that's um, soured with yogurt. We just throw non fat, uh, live cultured yogurt into the beer and let it sour. A
3: couple days and have, have you tasted it yeah yeah, it's fantastic it? Yeah.
5: what's it going to be called Do you know uh this one that one's called Insetto. um it's going to be like dry hot uh and has uh, Italian plums at it
3: wow so there's also for people who add fruit for sour beers, the barrel agent. Jim, you know you guys have a bunch of different sours. Now, mm. Other than Cantillons and lambits, oh, what yeah. are some others that you have?
9: Well, my, f- some of my favorite beers are from a Swiss brewery in the Jura Valley in Saint-Croix of Switzerland, uh, Brasserie Trois-Dames. And they make some fantastic beers, uh, you know, whether it's barrel aging or doing secondary fermentation with fruit. And uh, one of my favorites is the Saison Framboise. And it's a sour saison and secondary fermented with raspberry. Um, also, they also blend saison uh, yeast with uh, grape must from the local grapes. So there's local Pinot Noir grapes from the local wineries, along with the uh, Schussloss grapes. So they do that, uh, that blended fermentation of the grape must. With their Yee strain, and those come out fantastic. So I, I'm yeah, that's one of my preferred places, uh, Trois Dames. And Dan, for
3: you guys at at, at uh, you know Jolly Pumpkin, are there some European sour beers that that inspire you besides Cantillon?
7: Well, you know, I mean, Ron, I think takes a lot of different inspiration from a lot of different breweries. I'd say a lot more recently has been kind of looking at. This my point of view, I mean, uh, is that he's kind of looking at a lot of more modern breweries that are around and kind of seeing what they've done to innovate in different ways and taking inspiration from that. I mean, of course, you know, he has his breadth of knowledge of classic brewing, but uh, I wouldn't say there's one specific place where he's looking to there. But, you know, hang out with Brian, hang out with like Henry from Monkish, hanging out with, you know, all these other guys, the guys from Holy Mountain, you know, yeah. he's looking at the, he's looking forward, you know.
3: See, what makes, what makes, and Brand, what makes people go from, you know, to funky and, and, and to sour? Because uh, we put out an email this Saturday at Jimmy's number forty three. There's April Sours event on April 29th. and a woman said, oh, "I got the email, but I, I don't really like Sours." You know, and there's some people that, that definitely don't want Sours, but but everyone who's cool is asking for <laughs> Sours. Yeah. So what, what what makes that jump, you know, people want the funky? I think the well, cool people want funky.
10: I think they yeah, well, they the cool people live in Brooklyn, so it's easy. New York well, New York is a totally different market than the rest of America, so I can only speak to what I know here, but a lot of it is touted as natural or healthier options. It doesn't have add, add, additives. A lot of wine people are obsessed with the word sulfite, which I'm not even going to start down That's that road, but sense. if you're not adding things to your wine, people can feel better about it. There's a whole like weird company in California that will distribute like a box of wine to you monthly that like is okay to eat um, on the keto diet.
7: Oh shit. But
10: but like a lot of it has to do with like being quote unquote better for you. But the truth of the matter is it's alcohol, that's up to you if it's good for you or not.
7: It's but, fun.
10: Yeah, but like the funk, I think people Fun's people people you. embraced yeah. <laughs> it because they liked the the ideology behind it.
4: Steve? I, mean, I think people like knowing how to talk and think about what they're drinking, and when you add a word like sour and like there, it just becomes so much more approachable. Like people understand sour and tart, and there's just yeah. it, it kind of opens up your vocabulary in non-beer ways that you can drink it, and you just you can recognize it and and so many things that you've tasted in your life, and um, it's just I think it's approach more approachable as a non-beer drinker than it may be for. Yeah. A super beer drinker,
3: Ryan.
5: And that, yeah, that's due to the acid. You know, it's like <laughs> we grow up. <laughs> uh,
4: a lot I mean,
7: of things are acid. due to the acid. Why is this microphone bad, melting? Very true. <laughs> um,
5: but uh, but I mean, I mean, think about it. I mean, all of all the beverages. I mean, sodas, so, soft drinks, everything is Lemonade. is a, super acid yeah, like crazy super acidic? Yeah, crazy acidic. Exactly. I mean, sour beers. Are, there's nothing new <laughs> about sour beers <laughs> at, yeah, all. at even, all. Even the, you know, nothing new to the palate, and it's nothing new to beer making either. I you think know. it
8: just kind of follows the trend of you know food and consumables as general. You know, the last you know number of years, people have kind of been going back to you know not eating you know four things or drinking one thing or you know just you know that they want a whole breadth of what they're doing that they want they want more choices and they want to know what's going on with what they're putting in their body i think that kind of is starting to catch up with beer as well so yeah
6: and you're actually seeing them on menus where before yeah. you That's got huge. the one person with a bottle of cantillon or you
7: yeah
6: <laughs> were on the tour but it's just that you could actually order it off a menu where before there wasn't those opportunities.
3: Or was that you one guys were. Um, of Jolly
7: Pumpkin. That was like. <laughs> and Jolly Pumpkin, you guys were in. in uh,
3: You've been in New York City, you went to Owl Farm, you're going to Tours tonight. Nice. Yeah. What, what yeah. are some of the sour beers that, that you notice on tap at it's Owl Farm? Because they have a pretty great lineup there. Well, of to, beers. to
7: be perfectly fair, we had I think we had 12 taps there, so it was us. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have heard about this place called Stillwater. Oh. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> so there was, there was the 12 taps, us, and the, uh, a few other things there. Um, but I think we we're pretty much just hanging out there. We've been drinking you know, a lot of Jolly pumpkin. Twelve Jolly
3: pumpkin on tap. Yeah, at all form. And then Brian in, in Baltimore, your place is called of Love and Regret. Yeah. How, how many lines on that system are, are sour? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't uh, know, they, average. They rotate
5: because uh, we always have pretty much whatever I, is available for me. And I tend in the past year, I I really went <laughs> pretty hefty on sour. Yeah. So I don't know, anywhere from eight to. Twelve at a time, sometimes.
8: Yeah, <laughs> and I think that you know the demand's getting there. That most places now are at least doing one sort of sour, be it, you know a, a quick kettle sour, or you know even if they just have you know one or two barrels that they're putting sour beer in, you know that the demand's there enough that a lot of places you know are, are coming around to it. So yeah, I have
10: I have four taps at the restaurant I'm opening tomorrow, and one of them's a sour beer. And yeah. what's the name That's of huge. that place?
3: Yeah, let's plug it. Uh, it
10: plug let's it, plug, plug it. it. It's called uh, Chez Matante, which is French for at my aunt's house.
3: And then oh, where's fun. that? That's in, in Greenpoint at 92 Collier
10: Street. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Say the name one more time
10: Chez Matante.
3: Wow. I, I, are time. you a server or manager?
10: Uh, I'm the general manager. <laughs> you're a oh,
3: oh, shot? Come on. Yeah.
10: <laughs> it's just me.
3: So, what's your program? So, you've got a mix of what? Beer, wine, cider? Yeah, we or? have
10: um, 17 uh, wines available by the glass and the bottle. All under seventy dollars, and classic cocktails only, and then um, four still
3: water (laughs) beers
10: and Guinness and a and a goza. One thing I love about
3: the show is that sometimes the the most unlikely people. We didn't know anything about you, and now you're you're here on the show with us, and you're a best guest. And and wrap it. What do you you think of these guys? So tell us about your your take on the Jolly Pumpkin, the beers that we tried tonight.
10: Oh, I love I love these beers. So I, I actually am not into beer at all. And I didn't know that's what Brian Good. did when wow. we got together. Sorry, <laughs> babe. Um, I'm very strongly a wine person. Um, but I, I've learned a lot, and especially Brian makes beers. A,
3: a wine cork tattoo.
10: Yeah. Um, Brian makes beers that um, that are towing the line between what beer and wine or beverage of the adult variety is. And I sure. think I found it easier to approach sour beers, actually, first. Um, appreciating the acid and and not so much of the effervescence and kind of understanding that as a natural wine lover, too.
3: Let's go. Um, So we're going to Taurus after this. And then how far is your new place from Taurus?
10: Oh, not far at all. I think it's like maybe half a mile. We not like even
3: like the cool green dude, open dude. Open so And a J- Jimmy, tonight. what are you guys serving yeah. tonight?
10: It's not open tonight. That's at why I'm Tours. here. Well, we're
3: <laughs> yeah. it <tonight>. We will. <laughs> what, what, what's on tap at Tours tonight?
9: Well, we got. There'll be a number of beers. There'll be the usual classics here. Be at the Bomb Beer. Or the Vites uh, and Mam. I'm not exactly sure, but I know there'll be some special collaborations they did. I don't know if you guys want to talk about it with Monkish and Holy Mountain. Yeah.
8: The, uh, uh, Symposis, which mm. is a really light, and soft, jammy saison with blackberry and lime that we did. Uh, we aged it in oak for seven months total. Uh, but the last two months is when we kind of put in that uh, blackberry and lime, let it reformat a little bit out. Uh, didn't let it take to complete dryness on it, so you still have some sweetness that kind of comes through. You get a lot of blackberry, some notes of blueberry, tobacco, vanilla, you know, delicious, crushable beer. And, you know. and it's also like, what, 4.3%, so yeah. it's it's
7: one of those beers that you have and you forget you had it. Well, where did well, uh, have and, another one? That sounds great, and How about it's that? pretty, and it's beautiful. It's a bright purple color, and then are we going to have the holy mountain one there too? I believe, which is a very dry hop jolly pumpkin beer, sour barrel aged IPA, which is killer. Really good. good stuff.
3: Hey, what about does anyone have a favorite sour beer and food pairing?
7: well, actually, I'll, I'll give one to you right away because we had that Calabaza Blanca earlier, which is <laughs> one of our beers, uh, <laughs> a Belgian wit beer. So uh, has the orange, it has the coriander, has that barrel age, it has that wild, you know, dexter yeast and the barrel culture, and it is the best beer with oysters. I it, it, it it's one of those iconic pairings to me. And again, I talk about you know before I worked for the company, drinking the beer. Uh, Restaurant I used to run the beer program for out in Chicago. It had one of like one or two dedicated lines it was always for Calabaza Blanca because that beer with oysters was just beautiful. The little bit of salinity from the beer matches with the oysters. That kind of rich, you know, reticent to say umami, but that kind of you know oyster taste, which is oysters, uh, <laughs> gets cut through with the acid. The orange peel and the coriander lift up some of that brine. You know, specifically West Coast oysters. I always say, you know, it, it, it helps uh, West Coast oysters, it stands with East Coast oysters, and Gulf oysters are unhelpable. Um <laughs> But it was uh, always a treat, you know, a true treat. Um, but then also, you know, you think of some things like in Belgium, you have a Cantillon Goose with, you know, a, a, the rabbit and cream sauce, those kind of things where, like, it cuts through some of that rich flavor and the, you know, dense spice of a, a, a you know, Fresh rabbit
5: kind of thing. Brian, do you have one? I like um, Gozeritas. I've, <laughs> <laughs> so I've, I've been taking one of my gozas uh, especially the the Phuket version with a shot of mezcal. Is that and, is that what brent has been teaching uh, you? And, uh, yeah. A little bit of lime.
10: And not, we because. drink
3: a lot of cocktails. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you doing any any beer and beer cocktails at, at your new place?
10: Yeah, eventually we'll probably have. We're, I was thinking about actually. I like the Fouquet with mezcal a lot. That I sounds think it's, awesome. It's fantastic. Like, we really wanted to do it with um, Tijuana, obviously, for mezcal purposes, but we only had Phuket at the house, and it's it's better. It's so what do you, do you
3: do? You just mix the two together? Ha- yeah, like, You're probably two, 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 two ounces
10: of mezcal ice and Phuket with a lime wood. It's perfect. That sounds
3: killer. Yeah. <laughs>
7: Really that.
10: Good. Yeah, Where's con- the
4: mezcal? Yeah, somebody <laughs> go back
3: to my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're gonna wrap it up, Stephen. Anything you want to say about your your new beer kit or any projects you have going on?
4: Um, yeah, I mean you can pick it up at brooklynbeershop.com It's um, it's really cool. It's also really pretty. I recommend you um, mm-hmm. check it out on the website. Uh, uh, Brian, that worked out some really nice new bottles for the still uh, for the um, Gone Wild. So we um, incorporated all the new artwork and it's. It's really nice to look at. It, it, it'd be a joy to have on your shelf, I'd say. Yeah.
3: All right. It's great having you guys. Anybody, any final words from anybody? Well, I have a
4: question. Because like,
7: the old "Goes Gone Wild label was awesome. Very provocative. Very sexy. And then the new one has this kind of more modern look to it. Was there? Is it the same artist? Was it kind of...
5: Yep. <clears throat> we tr- transitioned. uh oh, cool. To, I, so I'm working with a new artist now. And um, that was... Uh, it was just, I don't know. It felt like it was time to change everything over. Sure. Yeah, I had a, like a sch- schizophrenic identity for a bit, so sure. um, so anything that stuck around, we had to like, I don't know, refreshing. We've been around for seven years, so it's, it's time
4: Never to. So often. Okay.
6: <laughs> no, and it's so much fun to. to- because we'll talk beer back and forth, and then the artist will talk art back and forth, and it's the same type of passion. And having oh, having gosh, breweries is. that appreciate that, and it's just like exactly what we love.
3: My last question for Ian so, Ian, you know, one thing I always liked about Jolly Pumpkin beer is that th- there's there's sourness to it, but they're so well balanced and they're so, so refreshing. You know, there's not like one note, it, it, they're very complex, but. You know,
8: great beers yeah I mean we like we like depth and flavor and we like to be able to drink more than one of them so you know it's our ultimate goal is soft drinkable interesting beers and uh, you know I think that's something that you know everyone whether they understand it or not really does appreciate and I think that's kind of the way it's going for people are you know kind of over that hit you in the mouth sort of phase of craft beer and people are getting back to you know, Stuff that they can really enjoy. So that's what right. we like to do.
3: I want to thank all my studio guests for joining me tonight. A couple of shout outs. Jimmy's number 43, April Sour is coming up. And a new event we're putting together called the Great Brooklyn Grill Out will be happening May 27th in Brooklyn. Cookoutnyc.com. Big shout out to Justin Kennedy, our producer, intern Hillary Fazen, engineer David Taddishore. And thanks for listening. See you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Woo! Cheers. Thank oh. you. Howdy!